This message was given by Chuck Harrison, a member of New Hope Community Church. To know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Good morning, New Hope Community Church. Today, I'm going to be talking about how to deepen our love relationship with the Lord by having daily quiet times. This is something that I've been working on personally, and I wanted to share some of the things that I've been learning. We've also seen an amazing example of this in a writer student, a new believer being discipled on email by my wife, Joan. And this student purposely spent a large amount of time developing her relationship with the Lord. Her growth as a Christian has been absolutely amazing. Our challenge, how can we actually slow down and focus on developing this relationship in our busy, hectic lives? How can we be a Mary sitting at Jesus' feet instead of a Martha banging pots and pans out in the kitchen? After all, food had to be prepared and the disciples were hungry. But Jesus commended Mary as she chose the better thing, that of knowing him and learning from him. Colossians 1.16 says that we are created by Christ and for Christ and for his purposes in our lives. In John 17.3, Jesus defines eternal life when he says, This is eternal life, that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So just think about it. That's eternal life. It's knowing God. These two verses reveal God's reason for creating us, to know him and his purposes in our lives. The word know is a very intimate term. It's not a casual term. And in his book, um, A.W. Tozer stated, the Bible assumes as a self-evident fact that men can know God with at least the same degree of immediacy as they know any other person. Think about that. That is incredible. Kind of amazing, right? We can know God as we know other people. Now, how do we get to know other people? Through our senses, sight, touch, sound. We hear people. We talk to them. But we spend time with them. We communicate in person, uh, over the telephone, text, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, we just spend time with them, right? Communicating, getting to know them. And uh, when you think about your close relationships with your, um, with your friends or your spouse, the time was a necessary ingredient. Time. But here's the rub. Just as our senses help us to know other people, they distract us and make it harder to know God, who is a spirit. And we can't touch him. We can't see him. He's, he's, he's not a physical being. Yet he promises, my sheep hear my voice here, right? And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So scripture says we can see and we can hear God, even though he is not physical. So how do we hear and see God and communicate with him? Reading the Bible, prayer, worship, helps us focus on spiritual things. Colossians 3.1.2 says it this way. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things above, not on earth, earthly things. And I kind of go, ouch, to that one. Isn't it amazing how earthly things take over? They just crowd out our, 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 our focusing on God. 
But as we begin to focus on God, our spiritual senses become alive. And we get to know God. But if we focus on the present world alone, with all its troubles and demands, and there are plenty, or if we try to extract every experience, pleasure, accomplishment, sensation that we can grab, then our focus shifts away from Christ and to the world, and our relationship with uh, God suffers. Living for the world also cannot take away this intense ache in our soul, a longing we can satisfy only in our love relationship with the Lord. Because as I mentioned earlier, we are created by Christ and for him. Nothing else can satisfy us. Nothing. Colossians 2.10 confirms this by saying that we are complete in Jesus Christ. Yet how many of us race around like crazy our whole lives trying to be completed somewhere else by some career move or by a, a woman or a man or whatever it is. We're all trying to be completed. And how ironic is it then for any human being to try to find completeness in any way other than in a close relationship with God through Christ? Yet many people try to fill this void and find completeness with pleasures, people, and, and we make them into idols. Finding a perfect mate could, just, could be an idol just like that. Um, and an idol is anything that is more important to us than God and they can get pretty sneaky. The first and second commandments also warn us about making idols. And also through the prophet Jeremiah, God says, but my people have exchanged, this is a Jeremiah 2, 11, 13. Great. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. God is a spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Idols can be so subtle and sneaky that even ministry can become an idol that then robs God of our love and his glory. Have you ever thought about from, from God's perspective, why would God want to spend time with us? We're always thinking about, well, I'll spend time with God, you know, because I get this and that out of it and peace or what, guidance or whatever it is, but but could you think that God wants to spend time with us? And I was praying about this the other day in a quiet time and uh, thought about we are God's beloved children. We're his children, right? And he's redeemed us at a huge cost by his son's death on the cross. So we're family, and families love one another and spend time with one another, right? Also, we're God's ambassadors to this broken, lost world, but to know that, we have to know God. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says that God has prepared all these good works for us to do. Once again, how are we going to hear what these good works are, how to extend the kingdom of God, unless we have a close relationship with God and can actually hear his voice. So the bottom line is that God longs to have an intimate relationship with us. All too often, our default mode is to be independent, run away from God, and do our own thing and call our own shots. And it's basically pride that's, that takes over in our lives. Uh, there's a popular little booklet called My Heart Christ Home. It's a story of a new believer and um, who's trying now to follow Christ. And it likens the heart of this new believer to rooms in a house. And I just wanted to read you the, the living room uh, excerpt from this little book. 
And this is the person taking Jesus to the living room to show them what it's like. We moved next into the living room. This was a quiet, comfortable room with a warm atmosphere. I liked it. It had a fireplace, a sofa, overstuffed chairs, a bookcase, and an intimate atmosphere. Jesus also seemed pleased with it. He said, indeed, this is a delightful room. Let's come here often. It's secluded and quiet, and we can have good talks and fellowship together. Well, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do than have a few minutes alone with Christ in close companionship. So morning after morning, I would go downstairs to the living room. He would take a book of the Bible from the bookcase, open it, and we would read it together. He would unfold to me the wonder of God's saving truth, record it on his pages, and make my heart sing as he shared all he had done for me and would be for me. Through the Bible and his Holy Spirit, he would talk to me. In prayer, I would respond. So our friendship deepened in these quiet times. However, under the pressure of many responsibilities, little by little, this time began to be shortened. Why? I'm not sure. Somehow I assumed I was just too busy to give special, regular time to be with Christ. This was not a deliberate decision, you understand. It just seemed to happen that way. Eventually, not only was the period shortened, but I began to miss days now and then. Matters of urgency demanding my attention were continually crowding out the quiet times of conversation with Jesus. Often I would miss it two days in a row or even more. One morning, I recall rushing down the steps in a hurry to be on my way to a very important appointment. As I passed the living room, the door was open. Glancing in, I saw a fire in the fireplace and Jesus sitting there. Suddenly, in dismay, it came to me. He's my guest. I invited him into my heart. He has come as a savior and my friend to live with me. Yet here I am neglecting him. I stopped, turned, and hesitantly went in. With downcast glance, I said, Master, I'm sorry. Have you been here every morning? Yes, he said. I told you I would be here to meet with you. I was even more ashamed. He had been faithful in spite of my faithlessness. I asked him to forgive me, and he did, as he always does when we acknowledge our failures and want to do the right thing. He said, the trouble is that you have been thinking of the quiet time of Bible study and prayer as a means for your own spiritual growth. This is true, but you have forgotten that this time means something to me also. Remember, I love you. At a great cost, I have redeemed you. I value your fellowship. Just to have you look up into my face warms my heart. Please don't neglect this hour, if only for my sake. Whether or not you want to be with me, remember, I want to be with you. I really love you. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus commands us, saying, But first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We have to be brutally honest with ourselves. Am I really seeking God's righteousness, the kingdom of God first? 
Am I really loving God with all my heart? Or my own agenda, my own purposes? An awesome encouraging uh, promise is found in Jeremiah 29, 13, where God says, if you seek me with your whole heart, I will be found. This is not a casual seeking. It's an intentional seeking with our entire heart and being. Uh, Proverbs says that if, if we're like looking for God, like digging, you know, digging silver and gold. So it's, it's effort to, uh, to find God, to meet with God. And it's not automatic. And here's some hindrances I've just uh, personally been battling over the the years and uh, that try to prevent me from seeking God. They're also listed in the the bulletin insert that you can take a look at later on. But let's just go through some of them. I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest killers is busyness. Too busy to uh, spend time with the Lord. Have you heard of the busy acronym B, being, uh, U, under, S, Satan's, Y, yoke? Being under Satan's yoke, busyness, takes away from the Lord, gets us involved in a million different things. But once again, Scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. God is eternal. Everything else is temporal, will fade away or rust away or fall apart, wind up in a junkyard or graveyard or a garage sale or landfill. But God is eternal. Number two, love for the world. 1 John 2, 15, 16 says that the lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life compete, compete with our desire to know God. And if we aren't careful, they'll infiltrate our lives and just choke out our desire to spend time with the Lord. They can completely take over our lives, cutting us off from God. Another big one is unconfessed sin in our lives. Sin separates us from God, so we then tend to ignore him or run away from him out of guilt and shame. Criminals don't go around seeking out police stations and policemen. Guilty sinners tend to avoid God. But the good news in 1 John 1, 9, Jesus says, tell us to confess our sins um, so that we can be purified and forgiven, that our fellowship with God can be restored. We won't lose our salvation through our sins, but we will, can certainly destroy our relationship and our fellowship with God. Another big one is anger for, toward God, and this can be sneaky as well. During trials and suffering, we tend to blame God. If we don't confess the sin, suffering can then produce bitterness in us towards God, so we won't want to have anything to do with him. Hebrews 12:15 warns, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. It includes ourselves as well. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. Bitterness is easy to see in other people, but very difficult to see in ourselves. But it kills relationships with others and will break our fellowship with God. The antidote to this is to focus on the cross of Christ to see how Jesus entered into our suffering. And when we see how God sent his only son to enter into our suffering, we then can trust him and know that he will use this for good. Another thing we can do is to compartmentalize our lives into the sacred and secular. We'll give time, uh, God time at church, maybe a little quiet time in the morning, maybe some prayer time, maybe even a small group. Um, but the rest of our time is, is pretty much our time. 
uh, secular activities and devoid of God. We think that's our time, but all our time is God's time, 24-7. First Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. The last pillar in my thinking is unbelief. We just don't think God will speak to us directly through reading the Word. This comes down to a faith issue, since Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice. So what can we do? We can cry out to him and ask him to increase our faith for living the Christian life. Just like he gave us faith for salvation, God also gives us faith to live the Christian life. We can't do it without his grace and his faith. A good prayer from Mark 9.24 that we heard from Pastor Chuck a few times about a month ago was, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, a very real challenge, since our flesh wants to basically do just the opposite, is this question. Do we love God so much that we prefer being alone with him over all other things and activities? Is God really our top priority? And just as a car has to be brought into um, a garage to be worked on a mechanic, we have to intentionally enter God's garage so he can work on us and talk to us, and we can talk to him. And if we don't want to, once again, we can cry out to God and ask him to give us the desire to spend time with him. Here's a quote I liked. It's uh, from Andrew Murray. And he's saying we need to, to do this on a daily basis. Receive grace from heaven through fellowship with the Lord Jesus. It can't be obtained by a hasty prayer or a superficial reading of a few verses from God's word. He, speaking of us, must take time quietly and deliberately to come into God's presence to feel our weakness, our need, to wait upon God through his Holy Spirit to renew the heavenly light and life in his heart then he or we may rightly expect to be kept by the power of Christ throughout all of the day and all of its temptations. And here are a few things that we can do to strengthen our time with God. I'm still working on this because uh, I tend to be a Martha, not a Mary. One of the things we can do is plan daily uninterrupted time with God. Quiet times. And then we also want to focus on him during the day. John 15.5 says that, um, as we, sh we should, branches get their vitality from the vine. Jesus is the vine. We have to abide in him, stay connected, and planning a regular quiet time each day assures us some consistency, which is vital to our walk with God. So the thing to do may sound trivial. Find a comfortable, quiet place to have your quiet time in, right? Away from distractions. I know that if, if I... Uh, if I try to have a quiet time in the, in the room next to the kitchen, my wife is walking in and out or banging around in, in the kitchen, sort of like Martha, right? But, but happily, um, I, can't, I really can't concentrate. And I'll, I'll read one passage of scripture over and over and over and over, and then what I found is I have to get away. I have to have, have quiet so I can really concentrate on scripture and let God speak to me. But quiet times do require a sacrifice on our part. And if an early morning quiet time doesn't work, well, then try to block out the next, next time uh, of, of day that you can. 
whatever the time, put it into your schedule. If you don't schedule a quiet time, or you put it off, it probably won't happen. As the day progresses, more things come at us, demanding our attention, and uh, it'll just kill our time with God. And let's be honest, when we really want to do something important, do you put it on your calendar? I do. I've got, I've got several months already outlined. So if we really want to spend time with God, we're going to have to figure out how to put it on our calendar and then find the best time to do it. Remember, Matthew 6, again, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And once again, if, if we're having trouble, just cry out to God and say, God, give me the discipline, give me the desire you know, to spend time with you, to make you the first priority in our lives. Sometimes you'll probably even want to get away for three, four hours or a day. Being a total extrovert, if you had told me five years ago I could spend three days alone at a retreat center with Bibles, and my, my wife last ten books, I always take ten books with me, she said, you're not going to get through one of them, but, but I might read a you know, chapter 10 in Knowing God book and might read something over here and here and, and a couple of Oswalds or whatever. And I lay them out, all out in the bed, and, and every time I come back from a retreat, I hear something. Now, I'm not one of these that hears big, booming voices, but I literally, I journal a lot. I'll start hearing something from God. And he will also normally tell me some areas of my life that I have to get rid of or clean up or confess. Okay? Um, so we also want to praise God and or thank God specifically for all the blessings we have in our lives. Ephesians 5.20 tells us also to thank him for hard things. But think of all the blessings we have. This church, freedom, food, uh, family, loved ones, uh, the weather this weekend. We are just so blessed. And yet it can be so easy to get involved in little pity parties when a few things don't go right. But we are probably among the most blessed people in the entire universe. you know. And um, But when things don't go well... Um, and, and we, we thank God for those things as well. It's a sacrifice on our part. But we have to then remember that God is working all things together for good, or he may actually be causing us to conform to the likeness of Jesus Christ. It's a little bit hard. We also should be praising God for who he is. He's the creator of the entire universe. He's a sustainer of the universe. He's a loving heavenly father and our Savior from sin. The second part of the Psalm 100 verse is to enter his courts with praise. So we should be coming into God's uh, courts with praise, right? Um, we can praise God with words, with singing, with musical instruments, not so much me. Um, but the Psalms are great places in the Bible to help us learn how to praise God. We go out to nature when possible, observe the beauty and majesty of God's handiwork. That should automatically create a sense of awe in our hearts and an attitude of worship. And we should talk to him about what's going on in our lives. He's our Heavenly Father, Abba, our Daddy, right? So share what's on your heart. He knows it anyway. And he's interested in everything about you because he loves you so much. Just as in the little story, Jesus was there waiting every day to have the meeting with that new believer. You are his beloved child. 
And I was just thinking, not to embarrass my son too much, but uh, I have a seven, eight-month-old uh, grandson. And when Scott and Vic come down to visit us, we'll babysit for a few hours or go out, try to have a luncheon out or just walk around and do something. And it just amazes me. Now it's been two whole hours when they haven't seen Jackson, their son. And the first thing they do is they make a beeline into our house. They go running over to him. And I was telling Joni, I think Scott might even try to make enough noise to wake him up. She said, no, no, he doesn't wake him up. But I'm not so sure about that. And just seeing um, loving parents and their attitude towards their son, right, to me is just an incredible picture of God wanting that time with us, his sons and daughters. So God wants to hear about your day, your hopes, your successes, your problems, your disappointments, fears, your anger, joy, everything. God wants to hear about everything, good, bad. In Psalm 62, 8, God invites us to pour out our hearts to him. We don't have to hold anything back, nothing. No matter how bad we think it might be, God invites us to come to him. Be honest and open. He promises that he cares and hears us. Are you a writer? Journaling thoughts, concerns, feelings, specific prayers help many, many folks connect to God. I've started doing that lately, and, and I find it helps me. I'm, I was a chemistry major in college. It can also connect uh, prayers with answers to prayers. I started getting this little habit when uh, there's an answer to prayer, either yes or no. I put PTL, praise the Lord, in the margin of my prayer journal, and then I highlight it with you know bright uh, yellow highlighter. And every week or two, I kind of go through my journal, and I, I just see all these yellow highlighted praise the Lords to the left, to the, you know, in the margin. And it encourages me that, yeah, God's there. And, and these things I was praying about sometimes like six months ago, whoa, there's the answer right there. So uh, it encouraged me to keep praying. And um, all right, we also want to listen to God, knowing he will speak to us. In John 10:4, Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice. And in Isaiah 65, um, Scripture says, before they call, before we even call to God, before we even pray to God, he says he'll answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear them. What a promise. And once again, discuss your plans with God, ask for his guidance. And in fact, it's, it's good to ask for guidance first prior to making plans. Because so many times we just, okay, I'm, I'm heading down this, this path. I got, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, right? And all of a sudden they say, oh, gee, where's God in this whole thing? Does God have any wisdoms? Does he have any, you know, preference for me to do this or that or whatever? So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and James 1, 5, and 8 uh, are two great uh, scriptures where God promises counsel and wisdom if we ask for it. They're promises. If any man lacks wisdom, he'll give generously. So we don't have to like, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope. God will give us wisdom. And if we truly want to hear what God's saying, we have to be willing to do it, to obey to, to his word. Um, Henry Blackaby was, uh, wrote the book, Experiencing God, a workbook that many, many people have done. It's really good. And his, his um, theory is that nine-tenths of most people's problem in hearing from God is they generally want their own will 
I just want God to rubber stamp it. And so we, we want to come to God with open hearts and allow him to, uh, to answer our prayers. Once again, we want to read his word, which is really, it's a collection of love letters, and it's, they're written to us. Think about it. Many, many people died bringing these God's words to us, the, the prophets of old. And if we want to hear his voice, all we have to do is open up the Bible. And some people say, well, I really want to hear the, you know, God's you know, audible voice. But when we open up the Bible, we'll hear his voice. How many times have you just been going through the Bible and all of a sudden you come across a scripture, you probably read it 10 times, 20 times in the past, and it's like neon lights. It's just like popping off the page, right? That's, a, that's God's word to you at that point in time. And uh, then the question is, do we obey it? 2 Timothy 3.16 says that God will teach. You don't want to be taught. He'll rebuke. Mm, not so pleasant. Correct and train us through his word. But before we start reading, we should ask God to open up our, our, the eyes of our hearts so that we can see and understand what he's um, talking to us. And then once we've ended our quiet time, is that the end of it? No, that's actually the beginning of it. Then we want to really practice the presence of God every day. And that means focusing on God wherever we, whenever we can. There's a lot of many laws in the day, and we can just start focusing on them then. In Exodus 33:14, God promises that his, his presence will go out with us. And it takes only a few seconds to shift our, our focus from what we're doing back to the Lord. And thinking of him in this way, driving, uh, you know, exercising, for example, will help us stay close to him. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Thessalonians 5:17, where it says, pray without ceasing. I thought, oh my gosh, pray without ceasing. How will I ever get anything done? You know, I was, I was thinking of this like long, long prayer meeting. And then all of a sudden it hit me. No, um, you can just, whenever you have a few minutes during the day, you can thank God. Thanks for those five green lights in a row when you're in a hurry, right? Guidance, Lord, I just don't know what to do on this decision or this meeting. What do I say? Divine appointments. I had a really cool divine appointment the other day at, at, uh, at Planet Fitness. And um, it's amazing. If, if we, in the morning, ask for divine appointments, we're going to wind up talking to people that need to hear from us about Jesus or our testimony, whatever it is. They'll start popping up and you'll say, gee, why didn't I ever have those before? Well, I think God's saying that you want them and you're ready to respond to him, even if it delays your schedule a bit. But some of these things are so amazing. You know, it's like it, it, it lifts your, 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 your mood your, because you know you're, you're connecting with God. And now you're not only connecting with God, you are now connecting someone else through your, yourself to God. Um, Confession. Anybody ever go throughout the day and do something you shouldn't have done? You feel lousy about it, right? Well, you don't have to wait till Sunday in a prayer meeting or anything else. Just confess it right away. First John 1 John 1.9 says that we're, you know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. We have a, a loving family father. You need wisdom. Ask for wisdom. It's a promise in scripture. Protection. Um, you're headed... I drove uh, eight and a half hours coming home from upstate New York with um, four other people in a car. We made four stops because one person threw up. <laughs> then we made a stop. 
Then another student got sick and we had to stop for them. They had to take meds or something else. And I'm like, oh, Lord, just get me home, you know. And I finally got home around 11.40 at night. But before we left, we prayed for protection. And there was just one or two instances, you know, this huge truck, you know, but God, God protected us, right? So we can pray to him for protection. And intercession, all of a sudden, God will bring somebody to your, to your heart. Just start, you know, praying for him, right? Now, how long does all these things take? Maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute. But next time you hit a red light, pray for somebody, right? Um, if you hit too many red lights, pray for patience for yourself, right? Um, so in closing, there's a powerful quote by Shirley Rice, kind of like it. She's just talking about the quiet time. It's a time set aside to deepen your knowledge of the Lord, to enrich your own personal relationship with him, to fellowship with him, to love him, to worship him on a very personal basis. How much of a calm and gentle spirit you achieve will depend on how regularly and consistently, persistently and obediently you partake of the word of God, your spiritual food. I remember somebody telling me about a jug of sour milk. And if you hit that jug, what comes out? Stinky, sour milk. But if you knock over a jar of sweet milk, what comes out? Sweet milk. And I think to the extent that we are filled up with God, we either become sweet milk or we could be sour milk going out into this world. I believe our quiet time with God and confession and just knowing we are loved by him will make us containers, albeit practically pots a little bit, but through, through which God's light can shine. And just remember that uh, eternal life is knowing God. It's a deep, intimate term, knowing. Not casual, not surface. It's with every fiber of your being. And um, does it take effort? You bet. But do we schedule just about everything else in our, in our schedules? Mm-hmm. Could we schedule God, our Savior, into our schedules, our Redeemer, our Father, and we'll be with him for all eternity when everything else just kind of like rusts away or breaks down, needs repainting, repair, whatever it is? Yes. So just remember that Jesus lived this perfect and righteous life for us. Think of this love story. Jesus Christ doesn't just stay up in heaven. All the other gods are up there pontificating. Do this, you know, obey all these rules, you know, pray seven times a day, whatever it is. Do, 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 do. Try to earn, try to be a good person. Of course, they don't tell us how you score good works and bad works, right? And, and yet here God sends his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, to earth to live a perfect, holy, righteous life that we were supposed to have lived but can't live, didn't live, and then he dies a death for us that we should have died. It's, and then God raises from the dead to defeat sin in our lives, to defeat Satan, to defeat death, and, and then calls us his sons and daughters. Not only that, he gives us new hearts, rips out that old heart, that hard heart, gives us a heart of flesh, and then he puts his Holy Spirit within us. Wow. It's amazing. Okay? This is the most incredible love story in the world. So let us pray. Father God, I just thank you for 
your salvation, for Jesus coming to earth, for promising us his peace, our, our, our eternity with you, Father God. And I just pray that you would give each and every one of us the desire and the discipline to make you the priority in our lives. And Father, give us the discipline where we need it. And I pray that as we spend more and more time with you, Lord, we will see you in our hearts. We will hear you. We will love you more and more. And you will be able to use us as your ambassadors, your vessels, to extend the kingdom of God in this broken, broken world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.